Well, good morning to each of you. So a few weeks back, or actually, I'm bad with time. Probably a few months back would be more accurate. I needed some medicine, and uh, so we stopped in at Walmart. And I don't know if you all are like me, but when you have too many choices, you can stand there, I can stand there a long time, reading my options, trying to pick out the perfect thing. And so, you know, I'm looking for this stuff, and I found something that was all natural, and I thought, well, this is exactly what I need, and I grab it. And do you ever pick up something and have that kind of weird feeling about what you just picked up, kind of the packaging or the look of it? Like something just feels a little off. And it was like all natural is exactly what I wanted, and I was like wanting to walk out with it, but I just didn't feel right about it. So I was like spending time reading on the box, and sure enough, this person is saying, hey, you know what? I started my company because an, a dead ancestor appeared to me and gave me the vision and the formulas for what should be in this medicine. So if you're me, would you buy that medicine? You don't have to do a raise of hands of who would or who wouldn't. Um, so I chose not to buy it and chose something else that didn't look as good, but I felt better about. I also love to drink hot tea. I just like, I like having hot drinks. Turns out that some of my favorite tea is made by a brand that if you research them a little bit, they're pretty heavy leaning new age. So, you know, have these boxes of tea there. And is it okay to have the box of tea and just drink it? So we're enjoying it and, you know, open it up and on the little tea bag thing, they have their little quotes and most are good. Some are blatantly, you know, lying and uh, deception and new age. So. Could I just enjoy the tea, don't do anything about it? Do I keep the box of tea and then just tear off the little tag for any that are bad and throw it away? Or do I just not drink that tea at all? Um, and I would be really curious where you all would go with that. Oh, I want to take a poll, but I don't know if that's appropriate. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave that alone. Um, we are, we're wrapping up, for those of you that that have not been here. We're wrapping up a three-part series. And the request was this. Um, let's spend some time looking at the idea of what is it in the life of believers that opens our heart up to darkness or attacks of the evil one. So that's, that is why we're looking at that this morning. It was a request to do that. Um, I want to do just a little bit of review. And I'll say at the outset, the first two sermons were very foundational. And now today tends to be a little more application um, and I like to, when I preach, be much more textually driven than I will be today, um, but it's in the context of, of the series and why we're looking at this. Um, so I want to just start by doing a little bit of review here. Uh, should the clicker turn it on, Dave? Okay. Oh, well... Okay, so the, uh, the title for today is Neither Give Place to the Devil. Um, and throughout the series, here are the theme verses that we've been going back to out of 1 John 5. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So the first sermon we looked at, who we are in Christ, and it is a true statement that we invite Jesus into our heart. But throughout the New Testament, the, the terminology is that we are actually in Christ. It's used about 150 times. So as a born-again believer, we are in Christ. That's our identity. So in Christ I am, I'm new, I'm complete, I'm alive, and I am blessed was the foundation with where we started. And then the last time we looked at who is our enemy? Um, who is Satan and what, uh, who, what are we up against? And just looking at the fact that he is a fallen angel, he is a created being, so he is not equal in power to God. They're not even comparable. He's a fallen angel. He is a murderer. He's a liar. He's an accuser, and he is our adversary. We also looked at how he works. Scripture tells us you should not be ignorant of how he works. 
He is looking for an advantage. He is blinding minds to the light of the gospel. He is snatching the word from hearts. He is scheming to deceive. He's leading astray. He's appearing as an angel of light. He's wanting a foothold. He's establishing strongholds. He's seeking to devour, and he is making life difficult. Uh, so that is, that is what we're up against, um, just looking at, at the kingdom of darkness and how, um, how Satan works. So again, as a backdrop, as we dig into this, of what is it that opens our heart up to the powers of darkness? I just, I'm not going to read this all, but I'd like to have Ephesians 6 as our, again, as our framework as we dig, dig into this. And it makes it clear we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. Spiritual warfare is real. We're all engaged in it. Um, we're told to stand. We can stand firm in the armor of God, and uh, he will help us to stand firm. So I want to just move into trying to answer the question, what is it that, that opens our heart up? And when we're, what we're really talking about is the concept in, in Ephesians 4 that talks about giving Satan a foothold or ground. And it's, it is the picture of, you know, if you're rock climbing, what are the, what are the little things that, that allow you just to hold on and go to the next step? Or it's the idea of just giving off a marked territory. That's, that's what the idea of, of a foothold is. And then in Corinthians, it talks about strongholds, and it, it just literally is a fortress from which Satan can operate. So that's, that's what we're talking about. What opens our heart up to those things? What makes us more, um, more susceptible? I'm going to start just by thinking um, in, in three categories, and uh, hopefully our old whiteboard isn't too distracting over here. But the first thing I want to look at is just, and I'm going to write objects here, but I do mean just things. Are there things, literal physical objects, that open up our heart and life to Satan? But I also mean even physical spaces. Um, you know, one of the things that's very common in culture is people talk about haunted houses. Are, is that a real thing? So I'm, I'm talking about um, just physical things. And for this one, I want to just consider two scriptures, because I think scripture tells us um, can teach us a lot to do objects open up our heart to, to the evil one. The first one is in Acts 19. I'm not going to read all of this, but there, you know, the gospel comes and people respond to the gospel. And look what happens in 18. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So just a little context here. A piece of silver is a single day's wage. So these people were burning 50,000 days wages at 20 bucks an hour. In today's world, we're talking about $8 million dollars. So there was something about these books that were obviously teaching darkness that they chose to burn and to not have around. They didn't choose to sell them. Um, they chose to not keep them. So scripture would tell us, I believe, that yes, there are certain objects that can have spiritual power attached. For balance, though, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10. So I'll start in verse 25. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who has informed you for the sake of conscience. So we're, we're talking about food that has been sacrificed to idols. And if I were to think of something that, whoa, like maybe that might have some spiritual power too to avoid, he's teaching us here that it, it, it doesn't. But if, you, if it bothers your conscience, don't do it. Because Satan often is wanting us to give power there are things that actually have power, and there are things that don't. And Satan would love to even give the things that don't to have us give power to it and to have it try to control us. So I think we need to keep that in mind as we evaluate the idea of, of objects. Um, one of the big 
one of the big tension points in the ways this comes out is toys. You know, what, what do parents do? Can you, can you bring toys into your house inadvertently that open your house up? Um, and I just, I would be curious, who all thinks that that is a legitimate thing, that you can, can open up your house through toys and stuff? Are we, are we there? Are we not sure? I'll give you two examples. Uh, one, growing up, I heard a lot about Cabbage Patch dolls. Any, anybody else remember this, Cabbage Patch dolls? They were a really popular thing for a while. Um, and then at some point, you started hearing that you know, there was, they maybe were New Age or there was something spiritual darkness about them. And one of the things that, and I don't know for sure if there was or wasn't, but one of the things that came out in all of this is parents would say, we had this doll in the room, and it started talking. And so the doll had to go. Understandably, right? So I, um, I researched this a little bit, and it turns out that the company that made Cabbage Patch dolls made most of them without anything in them to talk. At some point later on, they designed a doll that had a recording in it that would talk. So was that a, what was that? Most likely, probably not the, you know, the thing that everybody was scared of. However, um, another thing more recently was Pokemon cards. Pokemon cards became a huge thing. Are they harmless or are they not? If you dig into them and research them, their origin and their intent has a ton of darkness attached to it. Um, and so I would say, yes, in those cases, the intent really matters and the origin matters. And we are called to be uh, to live to live wisely. Um, in Scripture, we we have the example of of demons or fallen angels fighting. You have say, uh, Daniel praying and saying that you know the angel comes and he was opposed because the 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 prince of this certain geographic area opposed him. So there is some of that teaching that you know, the powers of darkness are organized geographically. Um, but I will say that we have to keep in mind that a lot changed, and that a lot is an understatement, with the death and resurrection of Christ and the spoiling of principalities. Um, and so while I think there is some truth in that, I don't think we want to get hung up on the concept of, of certain spaces um, or houses or things. We need to be very aware of what happened there, but that shouldn't be our, I don't believe in scripture that should be our focus. Um, so that's the first thing that we're looking, out, looking at is objects. Um, the second thing I want to look at is just the idea of interactions with people. So some of this, um, as you interact with people who are not following the Lord and who are maybe involved in darkness, does that open, you, open your life up um, to the powers of darkness? I'll read Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 13. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practice of, these, of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So it's a whole list of things where these nations were doing things, trying to get direction from the supernatural. And God is saying, you shouldn't do any of this. Interestingly enough, the rest of the chapter goes on and says, I'm going to give you the prophets, and that's how I'll speak to you. So in today's world, um, if I search online, there are at least four psychics within about uh, three or four miles of my house. Um, there is a store where I can go, where people can go and buy, literally talking about objects, objects that are designed for witchcraft and darkness. And I think that's the store that actually has 
the, the term is light in the name. Um, so that's in Manassas. Um, this kind of thing is all around us. Horoscopes are everywhere. One of the things that is increasing is the idea of Wicca. And so it, it's always amazing to me how it seems like witchcraft is actually celebrated in today's culture, and you're seeing so much more of it. Not always, but a lot of this is going back to the idea of Wicca. And one thing just to be aware of with Wicca is they may not even believe in Satan. They actually are um, oftentimes worshiping nature, and they believe in a goddess. So if you're seeing stickers around about goddesses and often a lot of girl power and, and all these things, it often is this concept of Wicca. And what's sad about this is they just believe that if you can somehow tap into the power of the supernatural and use it for good, that it's a good thing. And so it's, it's very popular, very common, and that is something that is, is happening all around us. So, but there is also the, the actual satanic. Um, just this week, if you're reading the news, there is a satanic altar on display in the Iowa State Capitol that is causing a big brouhaha. Um, around us is the idea of the occult, and the occult is very difficult to explain because it's simply, it, it, at its core, it's this. It's the idea of tapping into hidden knowledge and hidden power. And, and the occult is then opened up to, to everything. It's not you know, defined down to just a few things. Um, so it's the idea of hidden knowledge, hidden power, looking inward, finding oneness with everything, using this to get what you want. And what you see in culture is the idea of being very spiritual, but not being surrendered to and following God. And, and that is um, a concept that is everywhere. Thought of the verse that talks about having a form of godliness, um, but denying the power thereof. So seeing all of these things, it can feel alarming, right? One of the things that I have to go back to is that at the end of the day, there are two kingdoms. And either you are saved or you're not. And if you're not saved, regardless if you're into Wicca or any of the things I talked about, or if you are a very successful, having everything together, wealthy person in a false religion, you're all, it's, all of this is just examples of people whose minds are blinded to the, the light of the gospel. Um, and so all of, all of the world outside of Christ is, um, is deceived by Satan. One of the things that, you know, in the whole concept of, of Wicca and all this stuff, I think one of the things we can't lose sight of is there are people who have legitimate longings. They want answers. They, need, they want power. They want belonging. And Satan is just bringing all kinds of counterfeit. So there, people are spiritually hungry, but looking in the wrong places. Um, the last one I want to look at here, and I would just say on, on the interaction front, we are called to share the gospel. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I do not think we need to live in fear of who we interact with. We just, I don't think we do. And, you know, it can, it can raise all kinds of questions. Is it, you know, is it safe to be near somebody, to have a conversation, to touch that person, to let them touch you, to shake their hands? I think we have to be cautious, but God's power is greater, and we are messengers of the gospel. Um, we do not need to live in fear of interacting with, with people. Um, the last one that I'll talk a little bit about is, is experiences. I'll just describe it as that. And I'm saying experiences and, and activities. Um, so last night, the youth were skating. And as I was coming off the ice, taking off my skates, there was another group there, a whole, whole bunch of young girls. And the mom was like, okay, we're going home for pizza, and maybe you guys won't stay up all night. And the girls said, yes, we are, because we're playing with our Ouija board at 3 a.m. Um, so that's what I'm talking about of, of activities where we can actually engage with, with the powers of darkness, and that does, um, does open us up to, um, to those kinds of things. 
When we consider this, I think we have to be very careful about our eyes and our ears. Um, and these things are everywhere, but we do choose what we give attention to and what we participate in. Um, one example that I thought of is the concept of Reiki. And it is, it's the idea of healing through channeling this energy that's in the world. But this is not like a fringe idea in our culture. Like I read about it on the Cleveland Clinic, and they were recommending it to me. Um, Nate had a customer who knew that he had a hurt ankle. And she was, if I have the story right, was going to bend down and do Reiki on his ankle. And Nate was praying like crazy. And am I right? She said, it's basically, it, it's just not working. Is that what she said? Yeah. So very clearly, um, that type of activity is there. Um, I work in the book world, and I was curious. I logged on last night or this morning to look at the top 10 bestsellers in hardcover for young adults. I'm not even going to read the titles, but number one has to do with a dragon and a person battling a witch. Number two is talking about finding love through magical connection. Number four has to do with forbidden love, and number five is seductive love of two people breaking curses. Our culture is saturated and fascinated with supernatural, and we need to find ways without fear to just offer the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So, and we could talk about all kinds of activities, but I would say that we really need to evaluate the things that we take part in and the things that we intentionally expose ourselves to. You can't get away from this stuff. If you're going to go to the library, if you're going to shop at Walmart, um, you're going to interact with people who are, and Danny doesn't shop at Walmart. I can pick Costco. Let's do that. <laughs> Uh, but any, if you shop anywhere, um, the point is you're going to be around books, movies, all of this stuff, and interact with people. Um, and so we need to do so confidently that in the power of the Lord, but with our eyes very wide open and constantly with the Lord's help using his discernment. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here now and just look at some of the things that we do know will give a foothold and, a, and or a stronghold. So let's go to Ephesians 4. That's where this is coming from. And we're talking about a lot of things here, but what, are the, what does God tell us does give, um, does give place? Alvin, would you mind getting me a glass of water? I would greatly appreciate that. Ephesians 4 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. And that's where in the King James it says, give no place to the devil. So in the passage here, it, the idea is in your anger, or we will be angry, um, that we are not to sin. So anger, anger is an emotion, it's a reaction, and it tells us that something is wrong. So when we're angry, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and then give, the, give the, um, an opportunity to the devil so it's not wrong for us to feel angry, but it is such a powerful and potentially destructive emotion that we are to clear our heart of it, literally daily, that God wants us to clear our heart of anger um, every day. And why is that? Because when I'm angry, anger progresses to bitterness. Thank you, Alvin. That's fine. <clears throat> So anger will move to bitterness, and bitterness will affect my thinking, and it will make me susceptible to other things that Satan may want to do in my life. Um, in reading about this, John Piper said that if you insist on hanging on to your anger, what will happen over time is that your heart will shrivel to the point that basically the only emotion left is your anger. And I think there's a lot of truth in that that when we hang on to anger, that's, what's hap that's what happens. Along with this, I'd like to consider Romans 12. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, 
never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this, in verse 19, where it says, leave it to the wrath of God, the translation it's, is the same word of giving place. So on the one hand, we're not to hold on to anger, because when we do, long-term, it gives, it gives the devil a foothold. But we are to give place to the wrath of God. God is just. He knows what he knows everything. He'll do the right thing. That, that is what we give place to in our heart. So when it, when it comes to thinking about what does give Satan power, unresolved anger and bitterness will definitely open our heart up to other things. Um, and I wish I could tell you that this was just theory, but this is true in my life. Those times that I could not resolve anger or hung on to bitterness, it always snowballs. Um, and this is, it's a clear warning. But I think it's actually, the principle is beyond just anger. Anything, any sin that we hang on to in our heart will undoubtedly give a foothold to the devil. And so we are to, to bring that to the Lord and have that taken care of every day, in the moment. Um, just thinking about, you know, the concept of un, sin that we haven't dealt with, um, Marcus and Caden and I went down to hear Rick Rhodes speak recently. And one of the things that he said is he talked about habitual sins that we can't get over. And he feels, he said that he believes that part of the reason for that is that if we're unwilling to publicly, publicly confess them. And I know that that's not the point of what we're talking about, but I think there's a lot of truth in that. That sometimes we can struggle and struggle with sin and confess to the Lord and be forgiven. And God says, Confess to each other and pray that you may be healed. And so if, if you're struggling with sin, confess it to brother or sister, pray together and be healed um, because sin left in our heart will undoubtedly open, um, open our heart up to Satan. All right, I want to look at the second way, that second thing that definitely opens us up to the activity of Satan. And I'll start reading in verse, uh, in verse 3 here. For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we're, we're in a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle, and we're fighting against ideas that raise themselves up against Christ. And it's rebellious thoughts, anything that is, um, that is against Christ and, and who he is. So this can sound, you know, really big, and it, and it is. You know, we're, we are up against these huge ideas and culture that I talked about. But I think this is also true in our lives, in my life. Satan comes and he is a liar. And what he's always trying to do is to get us to agree with him. And once we do then that becomes the fortress that he then can operate out of. Um, and I, we could, this is one, a concept that maybe we should spend a whole morning on. Um, Satan will come after our successes, and he will come after the worst pain in our life and just try to get us to, to believe something. And to explain a little bit what I mean is, you know, something can happen to us, and we will say internally, like, I will never you know, X, I'll never do this, or, you know, statements about myself, I am this. Um, and these can become, what they are is their negative thinking patterns that Satan can then operate from. And they can be, they can be very personal. Um, another area that does give us, that can give ground to, to the devil, and I referenced this earlier, is anything that we actually do out of superstition and fear. And again, that, there may not even be anything, any power behind it, but Satan is trying to get us to give him, to give him that, um, that power. So I'll, I will be vulnerable here and, and share something, and then you guys can say, this pastor, he really needs some mental counseling, and you're probably right. When, one of the ways this worked out for me, um, when I was fairly young, I, 
for whatever reason, I was just, I dealt with a lot of fear of darkness and the powers of darkness and being exposed to it and what would it do. And, and then this continued on, well, I dealt with just having irrational and just crazy blasphemous thoughts that wouldn't stop. Like, where, where is that coming from? And, and so as a kid, when I was in school, I remember the first time this happened to me, like, what is going on? Am I still saved? Like, and it was before I understood how that Satan can attack our thinking. Um, and so one of the places I went with this is I would, like, oh, no. If I had that thought and I'm writing, and I warned you that this sounds crazy, right? If I had this thought and I'm writing a sentence then like, I have to erase that sentence and start over until I can finish the sentence without having the thought. Is there any truth in that? It's 100% a lie. But out of fear, you know what I did? I would start erasing it. And it, it can lead to all of this crazy bondage. Um, and it's not just then. You know, yeah, anyway, I'm getting into all kinds of things that Maybe I should or shouldn't have, but you know, dealing with those dealings with attacks on our thoughts um, like that, um, and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about this. There's no freedom in trying not to think something. It literally is a downhill spiral, um, and it's not the way we're designed to be. So for me, the thoughts and battling them, and did I have them or did I not, and that became a super stronghold in my life. Um, so I don't know if anybody can relate to anything similar, um, but that's, that's what I mean, where Satan tries to come in, get us to believe something, and that becomes, becomes an area of stronghold. Um, I'll just draw a very simple little circle here and divide this into three areas here. Um, and thinking about what gives ground to Satan and what, what is he after. Uh, three simple things that I think we need to keep in mind is I will call this thoughts, this one desires, and this one actions. So Satan is constantly wanting to attack your thoughts what you believe, your mind, what, what is true, certainly is attacking your desires. What is it that you love? And this becomes strongholds. When he can get our love misplaced, that becomes idolatry. And actions is, what do I do? Like, what am I actually living out? And, and Satan will love to try to come into any, any one of these areas. And so what, what opens up our life any of these arenas that we have given ground to Satan in does open our life up um, to that. All right, well, there is good news. I want to end by um, talking about four things that I believe are key. Before we get to that, I want to just talk about two misconceptions here. One is, and this idea um, came from David Hernandez in reading, when you start digging into the powers of darkness and you realize they're everywhere, you can start to feel that they're like germs. They're everywhere and our job in life is to kind of like to navigate it, to not let any germs attach to us. And that's not an accurate picture of a believer going through life that, there's, that we have to constantly be thinking about germs. Um, we are much more secure than that. The second thing I want to be very, very clear on is that what I'm talking about is not avoiding spiritual warfare. I'm only talking about not giving ground to Satan. We are not designed to avoid spiritual warfare. We've been given the message of the gospel. We live at war. We'll never be at peace till we're in heaven. I'm not talking about how to live avoiding spiritual warfare. We're actually called to fight. So I just need, I want to be so clear on that, that what I'm talking about is how do we not give Satan an upper hand. Okay, um, so four key areas here that I want to just look at in, as we wrap this up. James 4, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When it comes to engaging Satan, we are just simply called to, first of all, submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And when we find ourselves battling Satan, it's not a great power struggle. It is just, it's a truth struggle. And by the power of God, we can believe and proclaim truth, and Satan has to flee. So um, the key thing I would like us to remember here is that freedom is only found in focusing on Christ. Freedom is only found in, in focusing on Christ, submitting to God. When we think about how Satan operates, um, he comes to us in, you know, deceived or uh, in an angel um, where he's trying to present himself as an angel of light on the one hand, just trying to deceive us and get us to believe things that aren't true and to sin. On the other hand, he's coming as a roaring lion. And I think the whole thing with the roaring lion is trying to get us to focus on him. And I've talked a bit about that, but there is no freedom in focusing on Satan or the powers of darkness. We are called to focus on Christ, who he is, and who we are in Christ. So that's the first one is freedom is only found in focusing on Christ. Uh, the second one, 1 John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we're called to try the spirits, to test the spirits, and we are, we're told that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Um, and it's very clear, how do we know if a spirit is from God? What do they believe and say about Jesus? That Jesus came from God, he was human, and he was fully God. Everything else, it says, is of the spirit of Antichrist. Another passage related to this, of testing the spirits, he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse 14 just stands out to me here that in this whole, in the whole, all of what we're talking about here, how do we know? We are called, it says that we mature by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we are called by the grace of God to dig into his word and constantly be practicing discernment of good and evil. And that will help us um, grow to maturity. Um, so the second one is we need to actively and constantly use discernment. We need to actively and constantly use discernment. Uh, I'm going to skip over that one for the sake of time and just go to Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So at the start of the, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So all of the powers, everything we're talking about is under the control of Christ. And then he says, because of that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've, all that I've commanded you, and to live out the gospel and to find freedom. And one of the things that, that struck me in thinking about this is that Christ tells us in heaven there will be people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation. So every language, every people group, every culture throughout all of time will have found freedom from all these things that we're talking about in Christ. The power of the gospel 
totally transforms lives regardless of the, the background of darkness, regardless of any of the things we're talking about, Jesus will transform that. Um, and he says that all authority has been given to me. Back to the first sermon, where are you? You are in Christ as you relate to these things. And we're given that message to carry it. Um, so God has given us his power to engage the world is the third one. And then the last one, um, God will protect you. And I'd like to um, just wrap up by looking at 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. So again, that idea of actively discerning. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So I just want to pause there a little bit. When it comes to this, you know, discerning what is good and bad and what do we let you know, in our house, what do we relate to, um, the one translation would say abstain from every appearance of evil, and, and that's, that's a good translation. If we were to try to avoid everything that has any kind of evil connotation with it, you almost couldn't function in the world. And so what do I mean by that? Um, stars are a very common symbol in witchcraft. If you, take the, if you go down the road of I'm going to avoid all stars, you know, you, there's no end to that. You can't. We're not called to that. But what he's saying is abstain from every form, every type, every, every kind of evil. We're to not participate in it. Um, we're to stay back from it. And then the ending is awesome. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So when we think about engaging, what opens up our heart? God is going to keep us safe. So he is the God of peace. And the peace encompasses so many things. Um, it's beyond just conflict. It, it includes that. But it's just spiritually thriving and, and protecting. The God of peace will sanctify you how? Completely. And you will be kept blameless. And he will, he will surely do it. Um, so God will, God will protect you. God will protect us. Um, so again, the four is freedom is only found in focusing on Christ. We need to actively and constantly use discernment. And God has given us his power to engage the world. And God will protect you as you um, think about and live out these things. I do want to close with prayer. Um, and I, re I recognize this is a very, I don't know, kind of a different topic. And I raised a lot of questions and maybe didn't answer nearly all of them. Um, I won't let it go too long, but I would like to open it up if, if, there are, if there's any discussion here. Um, maybe there's things that you don't know about or you question and you want input on, like, is this okay? Does this open up, open up my life? Maybe there's things that you are aware of that you're concerned that you want to remind people about. And certainly, if, if God has brought to mind any area where we are engaging with the world in a way that opens us up, we want to simply repent of that and just ask God to, to cleanse us and protect us. Um, so I will open it up. Does anybody have any, any questions or comments? And yeah, I'll, we'll leave it open a bit. Alfie? I don't, that's right, I don't think we have the mic. <laughs>
these things on the left alone in your head. Thank you. Yeah, talking about strongholds, one, I mean, I think Satan literally probably attacks everybody here is feeling like I'm alone. Yeah, I'm, I'm the only one that deals with this or has dealt with that, and it is a lie, and it, it quickly becomes a stronghold. Um, so yeah, I, seconding what Alfie said of just finding somebody and talking and I'm glad to talk about my journey. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, that God has done. Um, sometimes when we deal with these things, if we're, you know, what feels like an attack from darkness, you, you expect or think that it should be like immediate freedom and never deal with it again. And in my life, it was, yeah, I don't know why these, some of these things take years and years and years, but over time, for my life and others, if you're praying and asking God for freedom, I just 100% believe God answers that prayer eventually. Um, and some of these things are not you know, instantaneous switches that you can flip, but God does honor that prayer. So I would encourage you to, to not give up on praying. Yes, Alvin. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to pray for each other. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the messages morning, and I appreciate my church and my fellow believers. We pray for each other. Yeah. Yep, thank you, Alvin. One thing that, um, if I can get a little personal. Oh, evil spirit stuff is passed down because my father's family, unintentionally. And I just want to say that, yeah, what you said is true. And praying in the name of Jesus and send that away. And mm-hmm. my father had to deal with that. And, um, yeah, it can be, it can be scary. Um, but the word of God is more powerful than any evil spirit. And yeah. any experience I've had um, has made me even more sensitive to. Thank you, Rachel. And yeah, testimony of finding freedom. And I think that you know, your story does highlight, you know, one of the things we can deal with, you know, like, you know, what if I'm dealing with things I don't know about? God is very faithful, and he will reveal it to us. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think we have to you know, live in a lot of fear um, that we're not noticing something. But there are things, there's both our own sin and the sins of others that do cause us to deal with these things, and that's what Rachel was referencing. Um, I didn't buy them in time. I want to buy, there's a book um, by Neil Anderson about freedom in Christ. I plan to buy a few of these, and it's a short book, but just going through Scripture and praying intentionally about certain areas of life. um, I'm going to buy some of them. I'm going to put them back on the back. Just feel free to grab them, and if, if they're gone, let me know. I'll buy more. But, yeah, thank you, Rachel. Dennis? Who were very open about worshiping the devil uh, and 
and there are times where, with respect to their right to make bad choices, I've had to defend them. Uh, I think some folks try to hide from the, like, trying to get that on. And, and when you deal with individuals who may inherently be lost, it's a matter of there's still a life to leave in Christ, and it has to be left. You can't run from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. Dave? Kind of going back a bit from what your first sermon, but I'm just reminded that I think one of Satan's biggest lies is try to get us to believe that he has more power than what he actually has. Mm-hmm. And we just have mm-hmm. to remember that greater is he that is in you than yeah. he that is in the world. And, um, and so that applies to yeah, thank you. Ian? Thank you, Ian. Thanks for sharing all that. And uh, yes, I think that you're right. God is very direct and he's very clear. Satan is fine being vague. Like 
you know, that, that plays into his hand, um, but God is very direct and very clear and very faithful. Sure, yeah. Thank you. Elder. Amen. Thank you, Edna. He's greater and he does promise to keep us. Well, thank you for being willing to share this. Uh, let's continue to pray for each other. I want to close in prayer, and Mel, uh, it's good to have you here. Um, I'm going to pray, and then would you pray after me as well, however you feel led to pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed after that. Let's stand together. <coughs> Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for who you are. God, we gladly confess that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And uh, God, all of our hope in this life and uh, all of eternity rests on you and nowhere else. And we thank you that we are safe in you and, and who you are. Um, God, I pray for all that we've talked about here and God, the things that are true and of you, would it take root? And if there's anything that was misrepresented or not said correctly, God, in your kindness, would you, would you not allow that to, to settle in? Um, God, I pray now for, um, that you would protect us from fear. Um, God, I pray that you would protect us from not being discerning. Um, God, I pray that you would, would give us soft hearts um, to hear your voice, to where you're um, leading us into repentance. God, if there's areas of stronghold or footholds here. In Jesus' name, Lord, we want to, want to bring those to you and, and uh, go forward from here in freedom. Um, God, thank you that you call us to walk in freedom and not in bondage. Thanks for who you are. And uh, God, just commit each of us to you in this week. In Jesus' name. Father of lies.